was. Another How you doing? Day the job. Rob, tell us a funny tell joke. We are doing it. We're ready to rock and roll. Come on, Rob. Tell us a funny joke. I got a couple. Uh, let's see. Let me think. Now you put me on the spot. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you find yourself a nice joke, and we will. We will. I got some announcements to make anyway, so I can get those out of the way. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, well, I guess let me get this shared out first before we really even do anything. But uh, if you're tuning in. Please give the stream a share. We are going to get started, I guess, well, right now because we're already here. So, uh, yeah, please give the stream a share. Help us get out there right away to lots and lots and lots and lots of people. And we can get started with the announcement of Darren and Mika finished up this weekend. It was a phenomenal match. Uh, Darren won both of the matches. We'll be talking much more in depth on it. But we have a, a ton of prizes that we're giving away from that. And today is your last day to actually get entered into that drawing. So we're giving away like $4,000 in prizes. It is an absolute ton of stuff. Ooh. We have a $1,300 Jacoby Custom Q, a $400 Predator, a $325 uh, J Flowers Jump Q, a $300 J Flowers Shooting Q with a carbon fiber shaft, as well as some Rasan racks that you can't get anywhere else. Uh, we have magic racks, uh, a bunch of stuff. So basically, if you would like to get yourself entered into that drawing, all of the ways to do so, I will put in the comments here. And uh, we're going to be giving those away in just a little bit after this stream. I got to give away the Patreon prize too. Uh, I had a couple people, if you're wondering why we haven't actually given away the Patreon prize yet. Um, I had a few people that uh, had their cards declined, and I was trying to give them the opportunity to get back in so that they would be entered into the drawing because uh, they did not know that their card was declined, of course. So I'm trying to give them the update that, that they can still get in if they wanted to. And then this weekend, the Darren and Mika matchup, I wasn't able to get it done this weekend. So I'm going to do that tonight as well, uh, trying to get everything done up before I go to the Predator event at Ho-Chunk. So hopefully I'm able to get all this stuff uh, figured out. So uh, next next month, I'm very happy to uh, announce that we are going to be giving away a custom JB case. So uh, John Barton has nice. given us a awesome JB case to give away. So for all the Patreons out there, uh, that will be your next prize for next month. So if you are not a Patreon and that sounds like something that you would want to get, you can sign up for the Patreon uh, at patreon.com forward slash queue it up. And I will put that in the, it, of course, it's always going to be in the description of the uh, podcast if you're listening to this not live, but I'll also throw it in the uh, chat right now so that you can get that. That's a that's a pretty and, cool prize, Nate. What's the, like, if you wanted to get a uh, JB custom case, I think there's like a waiting list. They're a pretty tough demand. It's not so easy, right? Uh, it's yeah. not like ordering something from uh, your local Anyway, yeah, I think yeah. that's a pretty cool prize. It's not, it's not on Amazon Prime two-day delivery. That's, Let's put it that's that right. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like yeah. trying to get a sword from uh, – it's like uh, Domingo Montoya, you know, the Princess Pride. <laughs> the guy has to go for like a five-year wait. Anyway, forget it. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Uh, Richard Van Leeuwen. Uh, yeah, we ship all the – anywhere around the world. For I'm not sure what you're referring to as far as the Patreon or for the um, the prizes for Darren and Mika, but we sh we'll ship anywhere. So – for both of those. So um, anybody, yeah, we have a couple people from Norway as part of our Patreon, some some people from the UK. Uh, we had some people for actually from uh, Sweden. Uh, I'm not sure if they still are. I think they might still be. We have we had somebody from uh, South Africa and I think somebody from Australia. So Woo! 
will ship anywhere. So anybody uh, from Antarctica? No, a couple I penguins. Don't think anybody but, uh, lives there? A couple penguins, but they, their Patreon the subscription is only four fish per month, so it's not very much. And you know, by the time it gets here, it's usually rotten. So they don't sell many templates down there because they don't have any trouble free, freezing the bulk. Never mind. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow, I was hoping to get that. I was hoping to get that terrible joke out of Rob, not out of you, Demetrius. Yeah, yeah. What I got his that? back, man. We're we're tag teaming this sucker. Woof. <laughs> Woof, Demetrius. Woof. Nice right. one. I love it. Frozen balls. <laughs> All right. So uh I guess let's uh let's get let's get underway. I guess we'll start with Darren Appleton uh, beating Mika twice. Uh in the 10 ball, he won 30 to 11. And in the eight ball, he won 30 to 28. But Mika was up actually 16 to 4 at one point in time. Whoa. And Whoa. ended up losing from there. So that's pretty tough. Was it uh, winner break was- date? It was winter break, yes. Winter and, break. And the, okay, and the sure. table was very generous. The, the the pockets on that are about five inches. They're big, big, big. I know the table, pockets, yeah. So. Yeah, nice pockets. Big, big pockets. pockets. So uh, I guess any takeaways? Did, did either of you watch any of the match? So I, I did not. But I'll tell you what, Rob. I, I did not watch that match, but I've had a chance to watch a lot of Mika and Darren in January. I, they were both turning stone in Derby. And Mika – Okay, Mika's playing about as good as I've seen Mika play since his tear 10 years ago uh, or 12, 15, 14 to 12 years ago, whatever. Like Mika's playing better this year than I've seen him play in over a decade. But Darren is also playing better than I've seen him play since his peak. It seems like they're both really recommitting to the game. Maybe COVID and, and time and pandemic, you know, I don't know. All I know is, is that I was really impressed by how Mika's been playing, and and I've been just floored by how good Darren's playing. I watched him at Derby. He also got the toughest draw in the world. He drew he drew filler first round and lost nine eight, and then, and then he drew Corey Duell second round, opened up with in a three in back, a, and ended up losing nine eight. And it's like in a, anyway, in a tournament full of like four hundred and fifty five hundred players, he draws Joshua Filler and Corey Duell back to back. It was <laughs> anyway, but the, and and literally Josh Filler ends up getting second and he loses to the guy that gets second in the first round nine to eight and josh runs out of the hill anyway details the bottom line is i think they're both playing phenomenal uh i i think they're both capable of winning a major again like they're i don't know what it is man but they're both really i'm glad to see it so sorry that's all i have to add is that uh great 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 matchup well there's a there's a uh kind of a mental lulls in pool throughout your career uh even amateur careers You'll go through four or five year stretches where life is taking over and pool is secondary and you just don't play the same. And then when that goes away, all of a sudden there's a new fire lit under you and a new drive and a new desire. And you can come back for two or three or four years and play the best pool maybe you've ever played. I've seen in my life, I've seen it with me three or four times when different things control you. And then all of a sudden, now you're in control, and what you want to do is play pool, of course. So that that could be part of it too, you know. Just that fire is burning again with these guys, yeah. Because the you know the skills there. It's just what did you see, Nate? Yeah, I agree, Rob. What did you see watching the match, Nate? Well, I'll tell you what, um, Darren, and actually we're we're supposed to be getting Darren in today. So let me. Uh... I, uh, I'm an idiot and forgot to invite him. <laughs> Sorry, Darren. I love you. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, Darren is just cool, calm, and collected. I mean, it, Darren, 
when you're playing on a table like this, the table is super soft. It's like I said, it's got about five inch pockets. The table plays pretty decent. Uh, the rail or the, the rails are a little bit sketchy here and there, and the cloth is a little worn. So it, it plays yeah. like a real five inch pocket. It's not playing slippery or anything like that. Um, but I'm telling you what, like if these guys are making a ball in the break on this table, like it's, it's almost silly to think that they're going to miss a ball. I mean, it, it literally is almost silly. It, it, they're, they're so good at playing their patterns. I mean, we were having this discuss, uh, this discussion uh, a lot um, on site, and I think it's actually kind of an interesting topic maybe to talk about. Um, there was questions as to who was the greatest eight ball player of all time. And for my money, I think it's Darren. But you could make a pretty serious argument for Mika being in there too. And, you know, you can throw whoever else you want in there. But, uh, you know, you, it's hard to make a list without Shane being on it, of course. But we, we, we discussed a whole bunch of times about who actually is the greatest eight ball player ever. Demetrius, what do you think? Is do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so right, if I have to like pick three or four names right off the bat, I'd go with Shane, Ralph, Thorsten, uh, Efren, Alex, Dennis. Like those are some names that jump into the mix right away. But I think that Shane uh, is definitely. If I had to like, you know, I'm talking a two. I'm talking a hungry Shane, right? Top of his career kind of Shane. Like if I had to pick, I mean, it's hard to outrun the guy. I mean, he breaks so well that it's just he's got an edge over everybody on the planet. And then he, he just plays patterns. He grew up playing eight ball. He knows the patterns. He knows. I, I, I really, I think I'd have to pick Shane, but I think all the names and then Darren and Mika, you know, uh, I, you know, definitely Darren is in the mix, but I think Ralph Suke too. Like those are some of the names that come to mind. Yeah. And the older school names would be Mike Siegel would be one of them. Yeah. Nick Porter, eight ball Mike game was, right was back yeah. in the day. I watched a lot of him play and he, he was out, you know, just outstanding. In eight ball. Yeah. I mean, you, but any of those guys we just named off could, could run 20 racks of eight ball if the break's working. Sure. Yeah, and and actually, I mean, if you go to their match, uh, well, Rob, I guess uh, you said you watched a little bit of it. So what did, what did you think? What was your thoughts? Yeah, that – no, I didn't watch the the uh, their matches. Oh. Oh, never mind then. Yeah. Well, I watched it, so ha, I'll talk about it. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they go with their breaks. Uh, I mean, in the beginning of the eight, so the 10 ball, there's not really a lot to talk about. I mean, Darren broke the ball so good. And Mika was, you know, he made a couple mistakes, especially once he started, uh, you know, getting down a bunch of, a bunch of games, he just kind of got frustrated. Um, but uh, especially towards the end of like the set, he kind of got really lazy with some shots and he wasn't really in the match 30 to 11. I mean, it's a bit of a beat down. And uh, if you run it back, I mean, you know, something, something might've, you know, changed. Of course, something would change it. Cause Mika's, Mika's not going to compete 30 to 11 very often. So let's just talk about the eight ball, I guess, because that's more interesting. In the beginning of the set, uh, Mika wins the lag and breaks and runs a four to begin with. So, uh, and then I think he breaks dry at that point in time. But I mean, he breaks and runs a four. Um, Darren gets up to the table. I think he runs out and, you know, breaks dry the next time. And basically what happens is Darren, anytime Darren gets to the table, um, he's either kicking or he's, you know, banking or he's doing something because Mika's putting him in jail because he's breaking the ball so good. He's getting the first opportunity at the table. And Darren just cannot get anything going. His When he does win a game, his break is so bad that, like, he, like he's breaking, I think, is, uh, of the first five breaks, he had two or dry, and uh, he jumped a ball off the table, and then he scratched in the side. So of your first five breaks, if you're not getting the first opportunity four of the five, I mean, that's – it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. So uh, Mika takes full advantage, jumps out, like I said, to a 16 to four advantage. Wow. And then 
And then from there, uh, Darren just goes on an absolute tear. He wins the next 10 games, gets it to 16-14. And in there, I think he missed – I think he missed one break uh, where he scratched uh, and Mika was not able – it was kind of a, like a just a super ugly table. Like of the 15 balls on the table, 14 balls, whatever it was on the table, like 10 were tied up. And like, it's not an exaggeration. Like Mika couldn't get out. He tried to get out. He couldn't get out. Darren ends up winning the game and then goes on another break and run a four. I think he puts another four pack on, uh, gets it back up to 16, 14. And then I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Mika extends it back out to like 23 to 17 or 23 to 16 or something like that. So he gets up six games again. Um, and again, it's just, uh, Darren missed one break and Mika, Mika just got up and got out. And yeah. then, at that point in time, Mika's break just completely abandoned him. He wasn't able to make a ball in the break. Uh, he wasn't scratching. He was just getting like, if he did make a ball, it was a super tricky pattern. And Darren was breaking the balls wide open, which is kind of weird because uh, I talked to him afterward. Well, we were talking at dinner. We went to dinner afterwards. And he's like, he switched a side break. He's breaking from the rail, but he's breaking square up. He's, he's squaring the rack up from the rail. And he's like, the only reason I was doing that is because most of the time the tables were so ugly you couldn't run them out. And I had no confidence in my break. So if, if, you know, if I'm going to break the balls and I have no confidence in them, I'm going to try to make it as ugly as I possibly can and just slow the game down. Uh. Well, it turns out that he ends up like finding something from it. And, you know, he's probably breaking and running two out of every three of his breaks from there. But the, the, the other time, like that third one was exactly what he was hoping for, which it was super ugly. He doesn't hit it right or whatever it was just gets super ugly. And it just goes into like back and forth games and, you know, well, I mean, I, I he ends up winning 13 of the last, uh, I want to say 13 of the last 18 games to uh, close it out 30 to 28. It, it ended in a really ugly way. Uh, Mika, Darren tried to run out at 29, 28 and uh, he gets down to the last two balls and he's got a little bit of a tricky positional shot, but it's not really hard. He's just got to go over and back twice. So he gets a little thin on a ball and he's basically, you know, if the table's like this, he's got his last ball like over, you know, over here. And then he's got his cue ball basically straight out from it. He's got to go, you know, across the table, back, and then over again for an eight ball down here into this pocket. <laughs> Bottom right pocket. It's hard to do that. Mirror. It is hard to do that and, out here. <laughs> yeah. And he miscued. I mean, he miscued and gave a ball in hand when the ball was like six inches away from his object ball. He just miscued and the cue ball goes off the side. But, you know, we were all just kind of like, oh, because, you know, that's Hill Hill make a break. And I mean, how exciting is that? You you want to watch that, right? Right. So all in all, the match was amazing, uh, especially the second, the first day, you know, whatever. Uh, it wasn't any good. But but then we actually gave some bonus action too, where uh, Mika played probably the best player for Madison, definitely the best player for Madison. Uh, some races to seven for uh, for two hundred in the middle, so got a little bonus action, and actually they split sets. So uh, Jeremy Fetkenauer was able to win the second set on the hill. So that was oh kind really of cool. well good for Jeremy. Yeah, yeah and uh, Thomas, uh, yeah Thomas reminded me. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that uh, video up. So uh, I mean, I guess did anything I say there spark any interest in uh, things that you guys want to talk about? Well, when I when I was saying I watched uh, I watched well, the entire derby. Go ahead. And uh, so I did watch Mika play and Darren play. Uh, I watched Darren's one pocket action, uh, which was uh, pretty exceptional. I, I was impressed with his play. Both guys played impressive at the derby. Uh, every match that I watched, they were they were on top of their games. It was fun to watch. Uh, I'm glad I 
I, 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 I bought that AccuStats uh, to watch the Derby. That's the first time I'd done that. And uh, yeah, the finals in, in all the divisions were, were pretty fantastic. Demetrius? I was hoping yeah, my- to see this guy right here. Right here. Oh, this guy right you know. here in some of the finals, but. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's gotten tougher. I'll tell you one, one little insert about Derby is just in the last five years, the the thickness of top players, you know, Nate was joking about like a sea of 450 Fargo rates. You know what? Right. Four or five years ago, you could go out there and it seemed like everybody, the first four rounds, you'd be drawing guys that were, you know, not real players. It's, it, it was like the top 50 in the world were really tough. And then another 50 guys that were like 700 plus, And then like 400 guys that couldn't really play. Not anymore. Now you got like 300 guys that are like really, <laughs> really good players. I mean, seriously, it's like, it's just, and so it's like oh, the number of guys that can take a set off you. Yeah, you've got like there's like you know like Nate, you'd be like middle like in, in five years ago you'd be top twenty percent. Now you might be middle. It's like super 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 tough. Like if yeah. I draw you first round, I don't I don't like that draw. I'm like trust me. Anyway, it, not compared to how it used to be. Anyway, sure. so the, the the point is is that um and I feel the same way about myself. You know, it's just unbelievably tough. So okay, um the the only thing about the eight ball ten ball thing, I think table conditions. I think that, you know, pool, we have different size tables. We have different cloths. We have different pocket sizes. We have different games. And and the conditions change the games so much. It's like, has anybody ever tried playing bar table one pocket? Yes. Has anybody ever tried playing one pocket on a, on a valley? Yes. You can't really do it, right? It's just, it's totally like it, the game just doesn't He's work. Talking about it's so much it's fun. It's pretty much a mess. So, so the thing about it is I've watched, like, when it comes to eight ball, eight ball, can be a beautiful game, but it can also be a really, really stupid game. And when you're watching eight ball, like like in the IPT days, when they have like tight pockets with slow cloth, and then when the balls break, there's congestion and there's tough, there's tough balls to pocket and there's tough problems to deal with because they're using triangle racks and then and then there's clusters and tight pockets and slow cloth and having to get good angles and sweating if you come off the ball and leave yourself a tester, you might actually miss it. Um, that was exciting. Like they at least had that right. Uh, you know, every, they had everything right with the payouts. You know, except for the part where they didn't show up with the they left town, went to jail, took all the money. But anyway, uh, when it comes to eight ball, I remember there was a match last year, and I think it was Fedor playing somebody. I literally don't even remember the match. That's how boring it was. Where they were using a template rack on a, a new cloth with four and a half inch pockets playing eight ball, and it's like I watched for like was, thirty racks. Was Bergman, wasn't it? Was that Maybe. Bergman? I'll, I, all I remember is I watched with 30 racks. I never saw a safety. I never saw a breakout, and I never saw a miss. It was just dry break, you run a bunch of racks. Oh, dry break, I run some racks. Oh, I scratched, you run some racks. It was the most boring pool I've ever seen. It's not even – I don't even call that eight ball. It, it just – it's upsetting to me. It's like I like eight ball where there's – the you know, the break is always going to play a role, but I want to see it come down to shot making, pattern play, dealing with clusters, and maybe even some defensive battles – I don't want to just see it come down to like who's got the ball going to the side. I, it's 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 horrible to me. I think that pool, it's pool has the potential to be either a great game or a stupid game. Uh, and 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 the lower the skill level, the less the conditions matter. You know, if you're a beginner, if you're an intermediate player, whatever the tables are, it's going to be a challenging, interesting game. But when you start getting up to advanced and high level play, it, it's just I think the, the 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 rules and the conditions and the equipment. You just have to gear it right, otherwise it kind of takes takes a, a great game and makes it kind of stupid. Eight ball, All right, here we go. Sure, you yeah. guys ready for this? All right, oh. keep in keep in keep in mind on this on this shot right here. 
I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm probably gonna get the score wrong, but I believe Mika was up 27 to 24 at this point. Darren okay. was breaking the balls and ran out and got himself this shot on the eight ball. Okay, you ready for this? Yeah. Oh, wait, we gotta wait just one second. Because apparently Darren is joining in right now, and I want him to take you through the thought process process. All right. So, so uh I can hear him trying to join. I just don't see his uh, video in there anywhere. So we're going to take just a couple seconds to let him get in here. Because it is Darren Appleton after all, you know. My guess is, is my guess, it, it, it's his birthday, you guys. Remember that. So be nice to Darren, everybody. Wow. Uh, but So no jokes about his ears today. It's his birthday after all. Be nice to him. <laughs> uh, I got to find out what's taking him so long. Rob, where's our joke at? You said you were going to get us a joke. Well, now I've been listening to you guys. I haven't been thinking about it. Oh. Bummer. Bummer. Demetrius, how was Derby? You haven't uh, you haven't been on the podcast since then. So actually, how, how did it go for you? Uh, I want, well, I just I've seen it. So I want to shout out to little Chris and Tom Wolcheski in the chat. And then someone talks to uh, somebody saying, oh, I'm only a 4 or 530. Does that mean I'm not? So somehow somebody's. So, okay. I have respect for pool players from the very first day they pick up their cue and they can't make a bridge or pull their arm back all the way to the best player in the world. Anybody that wants to embrace the game, try hard, face adversity, try to overcome that adversity. It's a meaningful challenge. I re it's, we're all on the same road. We're just, we spent different amounts of time on the road, but we're all pursuing the same road and day to day, we're all doing our best. And I have respect for everybody. So when yeah. somebody takes, when somebody feels, and I'm not, maybe he's joking around, he did have an LOL. I'm just sharing when somebody feels slighted by something I say, or somebody takes some words I say. And as a as a as a competitive player, oftentimes people project stuff onto me, like, "Oh, you probably look down at me, and you probably think that I should quit playing." And if you probably think if you played like me, you wouldn't quit. Like people often project stuff onto me, and if I say something, sometimes they twist my words. And I I just I don't feel that way. I just want to let everyone know I respect everybody with a pool cue. And so if anybody that reads into anything else, that's, that's not me, but okay. Yeah. To put some light, oh. share some light for this fella. If, if you're a five thirty, and you have six balls on the table in the eight ball, cause you're. Opponent oh, had drop. just missed and you run out. Yeah. You know, I, it's, you, it's the, you, it's the one thing out. I, that's I hope right. everyone understands. It's like whatever level you're at, if you're facing adversity and you're challenged and you're under pressure and you have to dig deep and overcome what's in front of you, uh, that's that's as we're all doing anyway. Okay, uh, it's all the same. Yeah. So uh, as far as Derby, I had a really good tournament uh, in terms of I had fun. <laughs> uh, I didn't get the toughest draws like I never drew. I didn't get the Darren Appleton draws where I was playing filler and Corey Duel every match. But I didn't get any of the draws where I was waking up in the sixth round either. You know what I mean? Like, I was right. playing the guys, right. like, I was playing a lot of guys. Like, everyone I played was 700 to 760. Sure. 770. So, it's like, it's like I played a couple softer players, a couple tougher players. But mostly, it was just match after match of really, really, really tough matches. Yeah. Uh, you know, guys like Chohan and Anthony Baglino and, and guys like, you know what I mean? Just like a bunch of, like, they're not the best of the field. But, man, there's a lot of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, but anyway, it was fun. Yeah, so it's like I I I got I Brandon Shuff, you know, I got beat, I won, yeah. 
Josh, Josh Roberts. Those are the guys I was playing, like the guys that were tough, not invincible, but tough. And yeah. so they beat me. I beat them. They beat me. I beat them. I cashed. I didn't, you know, I win, I lose. I don't know. It was, it was fun. Um, I think I finished seventh round in the, in the nine ball, sixth round in the banks. Um, yeah. I didn't cash one pocket. I got beat up pretty bad. Brandon Shelf. And, okay, good, good, good. So, Toxus, thank you. I just want to make sure we're all good, man. You said you're all good. <laughs> I want to make sure we're all good. Because seriously, man, I, a lot of people, like, I just I just don't want to hurt anybody, man. I don't mean to hurt anybody. So, that's all. Um, well, but, yeah, dude, it's a lot of fun. Oh, Nate, before you start, let me get my shout out here uh, to a fella from Wisconsin. Sure, uh, and this this particular tournament is a little bit like the Seco Ronnie tournament, uh, Demi, that you played in and won on a couple of occasions. And we're, there's some just really, really good players from Wisconsin and Northern Illinois playing in this tournament. It's called King of the Hill tournament down in Waukesha, Wisconsin. And one of the players in the tournament actually was uh, uh, instrumental in starting the Wisconsin Billiards Hall of Fame. Uh, and, and I'm going to shout out to Johnny Kramer. He's a family man. Uh, he's got a full-time job. And he played in this in this tournament, King of the Hill tournament, where it's uh, uh, it was a race to five on the winners, race to four on the losers. And the phenomenal thing about this tournament is that there was a Moscone Cup player entered in the event and uh, very, very much favored to win the event. And uh, Johnny Kramer double dipped him. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Tyler. Yeah. Tyler put him in the loser side. Johnny won one more match against Kyle Burrs, and came Kyle back. Burrs. And Burrs. Burrs. Yeah. And and came back and uh, won hill to hill on the first dip, and then it was a race to four for both of them, and he won hill to hill on that second dip too. So a great shout out for. This is this is a guy who plays weekly pool with Nate down there in pool leagues, doesn't play in many tournaments at all, and he had to he had to dig as deep as he could dig to beat Tyler. He said Tyler did not play bad, made a couple mistakes here and there. That's really cool. And you know what? I want to give a shout out. Uh, maybe you guys already talked about it, but the only thing, if there was one thing I could say about Derby. I lost out. I played my best set of the tournament. I lost to Shane Wolford. And Shane Wolford, I had him 3-0. And then I had a, anyway, a tricky spot. He ran three racks to go 3-3. And then I had him 6-4 or something. And then I, somehow something went sideways and he ran two racks to go 6-6. And then at 6-6, I made like the only real blunder I made of the set. He ran out the set on me. Or he ran two racks and then played a safe. Anyway, I didn't shoot again, really. So then it's like, um. And then he went on. I mean, he beat New York. He, 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 he got 11 rounds in. I think he finished sixth, right? Out of like 500. Oh. I think, I think, I think fifth. I think. Yeah. Somewhere like that. And so anyway, uh, they might've listed him at sixth, but then the thing about it was, uh, and he played, I was, I, Oh, Danny Olson, by the way, I talked to Danny, Danny had him down seven, one going to nine. <clears throat> and, and he felt, I, Danny said he was feeling, you know, just a little bit, like maybe he was a little like overconfident because he went for a little bit of an aggressive, dangerous decision where he could have played something more conservative. But he was just like kind of feeling good and went for it. And uh, it went 7-2, and then he ended up losing 9-8. Oh, he was up. Uh, he ended up going from 7-1. Seven, seven, he blundered. He went to 7-2. Two, 
Danny got up eight to five, and then he broke dry, and Wolford ran out the last four to beat him nine eight. So, so just to be clear, like Wolford made a bunch of comfort behind. He came from behind on me. He came from behind on Danny Olson. Not, I didn't have that much belief, but he. And then he, uh, it finally took a Josh Filler. And I remember telling somebody, I said, he is playing so good right now. The only way that Wolford's going to lose, he's not going to. Nobody's going to win because they're going to outplay him or outperform him rack by rack. They're just going to have to. And he ran a number of racks. I think in our set, I think he ran three racks off his break directly, plus another couple he controlled off his break. He, I, there was like four or five racks where I didn't have any reasonable chance at the table uh, in a race to nine. And I'm like, the only way somebody beats him is if they could just run more racks than him. Now, there are players in the field that can run more racks than him. And Filler was one of them. And that's what it took to beat him. But it was exactly like I predicted. I'm like, that's what it takes. It's the guy that got to the finals, just raining packages on him. Uh, but I'm telling you, I was, I have seen a lot, like Wolford's not, you know, at the highest level, but I'll tell you, he's a young man. Uh, I don't know if he's 21 or what, but I'll tell you that it woke. It, I, I'm excited, man. Like I didn't really know he played that well. I know he's an up and comer, but I think we have a new kid. Like I think I'm thinking, future Moscone Cup for sure. Like he, in my opinion, I would put him on the Moscone Cup this year based on what I saw on the table and during that tournament. I think he's amazing. And I think Danny Olsen's playing super good too. Like to hang with them and I'm going to watch him play. And I'm like, you two should be Moscone Cup and I should be like the vice coach or something. <laughs> I'll do the guys can play. <laughs> Uh, so that's my big takeaway is look out for anybody that doesn't have future, you know, representing the U.S. So, Yeah, he was in the top 40 in the overall at the Derby. I think uh, Shane so, was 22nd in that group. All right. Well, if everybody else gets a mm -hmm. shout out, then I get one, too. And my shout out is going to be to Mr. Rob Hovick, because you did you. You mentioned the you was you mentioned the Wisconsin Billy Hall of Fame and I'm going to do a call to arms. I do this every now and then. Uh, and usually it doesn't go very well. I want this one to go really, 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 really well. So the Wisconsin Billiards Hall of Fame has 12 nominees. Of those 12, Mr. Robert Hovick is one of them. To vote, so basically how it works is there is a, it's a democracy. So everybody who is a member of the Wisconsin Billiards Hall of Fame is gets a vote. Every one of them gets a vote. And whoever ends up with the most votes gets inducted into the Wisconsin Billiards Hall of Fame. I want to see Rob get in this year. So I'm going to put the link out here in the chat. I'm also going to attach it to the uh, the description of this podcast. Go to WIBHOF.com, Wisconsin Billiards Hall of Fame, WIBHOF. Sorry, .org, .org. So WIBHOF.org. Get signed up. I think it costs like 10 bucks a month. And what I'm going to do is because it costs 10 bucks a month, you got to go in there and you got to vote for Rob Hovick because it costs 10 bucks. You, if you do this, reach out to me, let me know, and I will send you a free t-shirt for a vote for Rob Hovick. Oh, no, we need to get no, Rob in. No, no. So you get a free t-shirt, which is a $25 value for free. If you, if you sign up for the Wisconsin Billiards Hall of Fame and vote for Rob Hovick, hashtag Hovick for HOF. Oh, ten dollars a year. Ten dollars a year. They just corrected. It, oh, so. yeah. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. Yes, ten dollars right. a year. Ten dollars a year. Ten dollars a year. So it's going to cost you a ten dollar bill, 
and you're going to get to be able to vote for Rob Hovick. And then once you wrote, vote for Rob Hovick, yeah. reach out to me, let me know, and I will send you a free T-shirt. I just got it. I just got uh, yeah, seven my way boxes into the of Hall of Fame. There we go. No, you know, Rob, you deserve it. I'm doing this. I'm getting you in because you deserve it, dang it. You get oh, there's so much not even on your resume is all the work that you've done for the last three years with this podcast. We are now the seventh most influential pool industry in the world. Okay, so Nate, Nate lots of that was you, Rob. It's funny you say that. So when I was at Derby, I want to say so somebody just mentioned they saw me running out a couple times. They probably saw me dogging it a couple times. Anyway, um, <laughs> I want to thank everybody that there was a lot of people this year that came up and said hi to me and introduced themselves. And uh, and it was really really cool. And one time I was down six one in the middle of a match, losing to losing my my, my nine ball my first nine ball match. I'm getting drilled. I'm down six one. The guy's running out from everywhere, and the guy comes over and introduces me. I don't think he knew I was in the, getting drilled, but I was still I still smiled and thank you and all this. And then I'm, oh, I'm, anyway, but but I and then and then I wanted to tell you this day. This I, you get a kick out of this. So so I draw one of my opponents. I go to play him, and he says, "You look familiar. Where have I seen you?" And I told him, I said, I'm famous, man. Like, do you watch the movies? Do you go to the movies? Do you watch the political debates? Do you open the newspapers? Like, come on, man. I, I, like, that's where you've probably seen me. You know? Anyway, it was kind of, I didn't actually say that. <laughs> that was just very funny. Right. I figured you probably just, like, looked him dead in the eye and said, like, you don't know who I am? You got to understand. You don't understand who I am? Well, there, Drop the mic and walk away. There is something to this, Demi, because... Last week, on a, we have a little Friday night things at the local bars here, right? Races the two stuff. And I go to one a month. I, I, and, and sure enough, I'm there, and this guy's got his laptop. And he says, hey, come here. And I op- he opens it up, and here's a, here's a podcast stream with all us guys on it. And he's watching it. During that's right. I, and it was just so cool. That's That's right. <laughs> That's what that's what they told me, you know. I, I here I was like, that's where you see me, pal. And then also the guy's like, wait, aren't you friends with Rob? Just like Ryan just said. Okay, is Darren joining or what's going on with uh, what's going on with ears? I don't even know. I don't even know where he's at. I, I think he's having problems. Let's see this work, game though. that you got. Yeah, show All us right, the game. We'll, get, we'll just let's see that. Here it is. So the 40, uh, 27, 24, I believe at this time. It- even if you uh, no, you're not gonna jump at this. He was laughing about that. <laughs> 27 24 was on the screen there. He kicks it off the seven ball and then goes on to run three. <laughs> well, kind of, it, was, it was kind of a sideboard. I mean, I would say, yeah. <laughs> One more time. That would. Even if you, uh, no, you're not going to jump at this. I think he just got me bullet getting jumped. Oh my god, he made it. Oh my god. <laughs> Listen to him laughing. And you hear like Jim's little chuckle in the background. It's so perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Mika was about on tilt after that. Uh he was I bet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then he goes on to break and run three, like I said, to get the 28 20, 28 27 in, in favor. You know, that that's 28 24 if you know, if he misses that eight ball, the match is right. probably over. <laughs> you know, and to put on to get smoked at the ten ball, and then put on that kind of performance in the eight ball, and build a lead, and get into a winning position, and then have to fade that. It's it's fatiguing, man. Yeah, that's it's yeah. cool. You know, you pick the you want to be a pool player. You know, you pick a tough game, right? <laughs> 
Oh, it's ex- like exceptionally that. mentally tough game, too. Besides, you think that, like that you this know? is a point, poke, and shoot game? Oh, no. That's, this stuff between your ears <laughs> is a pretty big deal. Yeah, and people think that, like, the best players in the world are just, like, transcendent. They don't they don't get rattled by stuff anymore, that they're, 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 they're like, mentally impervious to adversity. It's like, no. There's that caused some real emotional distress. Oh, <laughs> there was some there was some pain. Oh yeah. People who say that they don't get nervous with pool anymore, I say congratulations. Welcome to being dead. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> what, yeah. When people tell me that they don't get nervous, I'm like, so you just play your buddies in your basement? Then is that what you're saying? Like yeah. you just yeah. play, you play. Yeah. It's... Well, I I have so, a question for you guys, and uh, Nate and I just talked about this a little bit before. Uh, we started today, but uh, one of the things we talked about in the past is the European approach to professionalism in pool. And the bit between European pool and American pool is that American pool basically isn't that professional. Uh, it's just a lot of uh, guys out there playing for money and gambling and, you know, not as many ups, upscale tournaments and things like that. And we're trying to get it that way. Okay. We're working on that. We're working on get it closer. And I said to Nate, I said, well, why don't we just look at this a little different way? Instead of uh, taking and putting on a Moscone Cup with people who have excelled in pool tournaments, why don't we just take the best dang road player gambler in the country and put him on the Moscone Cup? And so I want to get your take on that, uh, Demi, on how you feel about something like that. You know, don't don't go by these tournaments that everybody plays and the guy who's dressed the best and neatest and talks the nicest, but maybe the guy who just plays under pressure and for all the bucks. Yeah, the, uh, the, the thing is it all comes down to, it all comes down to like, what are we trying to do and, and who are we trying to market to? And are we trying to get viewers or are we trying to create something for the players? Are we trying to create something for the spectators or are we trying to create something for the sponsors or are we trying to draw on a new audience or are we trying to bridge the gap to snooker? I mean, it's like, there's, it just, the, it's almost like we're talking about what's it's almost like if I said, Hey Rob, what's the answer? It's like, well, what's the question? It's like, you have to know what the question is before you have the answer. And when people are talking, people are always talking about the answer, the answer, but we're not, we're not in a unison as far as what we're trying to do or where we're trying to go. So how, if we're not, if we don't have the same vision of where we're going, we're not going to have the same ideas. As far as like what you're saying, I think yeah. it would be fun. Like, I actually think that uh, there'd be, you know, like the ring game styles, like I, I like the chip tournaments where you get like a bunch of gamblers playing, you know, playing uh, ring game ten ball, and you know, going for you know all out offense or 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 different types of different types of things where everybody's got a certain amount of money, and then they've got a, you know, you know, and I think there would be cool to have like fantasy pool where you have like, um, you know, they have fantasy baseball and stuff. Like, what if what if a bunch of us got to pick different players at the beginning of the year, and then as they perform throughout tournaments, you know, we ah. get we get. We get like a roster of players that we get prize money that we earn, and then whoever's yeah. doing the best. Like, there's so much we can do to make it interactive and fun. But yeah, yeah fantasy pool, fantasy pool. All right, there you All go. right, Darren, you ready for this? Am I in? Even if you uh, no, you're not gonna jump at this. I think he just can't be bothered getting jump. Oh my god, he paid it. Oh my god. <laughs> just a little kick All shot, right. nothing to it. Just a call shot, eight ball. <laughs> How did it feel, buddy? <laughs> Called it. <laughs> Wasn't a bad. Yeah, I I think I remember you. Uh, you calling the carom, didn't you? I, I remember hearing that. Yeah, I called it. Perfect carom. <laughs> so how, how are you, you doing? Being on? 
So, oh, Darren, yeah. I have to ask you how old you are today. Oh, uh, nightmare, 46. Okay, 46. Happy birthday, buddy. Unbelievable. Are we going 46. Revital. Are we going 46. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, you played what? You played like a 26-year-old at, at the Derby. Uh, I, I watched you, and it was wonderful. Good, mate. And, Darren, I haven't, we haven't officially met. Demetrius here. It's a pleasure to meet you, my friend. How are you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, for sure. I've, I got a chance to watch a lot of your matches, including like the Corey Duel match and the Nine Ball. Uh, you're, you're, and, and the, some of the Bigfoot matches. Uh, I've just, I've never, I haven't seen you ever play any better than you're playing. You're, you're doing amazing things, man. So good job. Yeah, I'm definitely playing better. Still a little bit to go, but I'm getting close, I guess. I've just got to be patient and wait for the next tournament, really. Darren, I got a question for you. You know, you played a lot of the VG events during the COVID peak that Nate put on, uh, the virtual events. Do, do you think that that actually kickstarted you a little bit, maybe? Uh, in, in the, the early days, day? I think, yeah. I think from uh, from when COVID started, I'd say from April to July, I was playing really well. Uh, then I sort of stopped playing for about four or five months because there was no light at the end of the tunnel. Ah. Uh, but I was still doing a few things for my YouTube page, so that sort of kept me going. But I sort of lost a bit of motivation again because obviously we was all on lockdown, especially in the UK. Sure. Uh, so obviously we, we got restarted again last year. It's been like a slow process, hasn't it, really, since last year. It's all been a bit stop-start. Uh, but obviously this year we've got a proper full schedule again. Uh, so obviously we've got a really busy year ahead. So I probably like, I, I think I've started the year pretty well. Uh, still not hit my top gear yet, but I feel like there's a lot more to come. So uh, just got to play all the tournaments and uh, hopefully I get lucky and manage to win one. Well, your showing at the Derby was great, I thought. I, I tell you what, I watched a number of hours, maybe five, six hours of your play at the Derby. I don't really, I'm not saying I never saw you make any mistakes, but like where, like, I mean, the kicking, the safeties, the breaking, the shot making, the patterns, like where do you feel like you're not firing at your top? Because I, everything, to me, it looked like you were playing good enough to win the whole tournament. It's just sometimes it doesn't, sometimes like literally the same performance that can lose 9-8 the filler and, and get eliminated it could be the same tournament. You could have been Sanchez in the finals with the way you were playing. What do you feel like you need to tighten up? Or is it just a number of attempts and just kind of, you know, conditioning? Uh, I think my biggest thing is my break. Mm. Uh, if there's one weakness in my game, it would be my break. I'm, I'm not I'm not the worst breaker, but I'm nowhere near the best breaker. So it's something I definitely need to work on, especially my 10-ball break. Uh, Regards to Derby, I guess I was just a little bit unlucky, I think, against Joshua and Corey. Uh, the one pocket, maybe the not winning a big tournament for a long time, maybe caught up with me a little bit at the end. Felt a little bit of pressure, felt a little bit edgy, wasn't executing the ball as good as what I did in the early rounds. So I think just getting used to that environment again and feeling the pressure where when you're watching Jason and Joshua and Fedor and Carlo Biardo, they look so comfortable out there. Uh, so I guess I was in that position, let's say, five, six years ago. But when you have been there for a long time, uh, when you're watching on TV, it looks very easy. Uh, but when you're out there, you're not used to winning, then it's not so easy. So I'm still still working on the uh, okay. handling my, let's say, my composure and my nerves a little bit better. Uh, but I know that will come with more like uh, 
big match arena matches really do you oh, do yeah. you feel like there's a way to prepare for that other than competition like is there something that people could do at home to prepare or do you think it's you just have to get in the ring until you get used to it yeah i think some people need to just get in the ring and then the other people it just comes so natural i think someone like joshua filler or jason shaw they just play but they're young so they're fearless anyway uh, but I think when you get older, your nerves are not quite as good. You, you need a bit more time to settle. I, I still think I can I can play great under pressure. I just think your nerves get a bit more jingly, let's say. So yeah. I think you just need to put yourself out there more often, let's say. Where if I only played like one tournament a month, I don't think it would work for me. Uh, I think I need to be very active, get in the ring a lot and just, just keep putting pressure on myself. And uh, like you say, just uh, try and prepare mentally. So... Next time I'm in that situation, uh, for example, when I lost a feed or finished third in the one pocket, I sort of felt as if I'd like dogged it a little bit. So next time I'm in that situation, I'll make sure I won't make the same mistake regarding my approach to the game more than anything. So you, you just try and learn all the time, even though I'm like 46, I've had a lot of success. Uh, when you haven't been on that big stage or, or won a big, big tournament for a long time, it's, you're sort of retraining yourself again. Yeah, do you feel that, that when you're in that situation, you you were in there quite a bit at the Derby, that uh, down deep something comes up inside of you and helps you through that? Well, I'm definitely I'm one of those what guys. When I'm when I'm when when my head's in a decent place, I will never give up no matter what. Uh, right. So even if I'm not playing well, I'd probably say I'm one of those guys where I'm quite difficult to beat. Sort of got to scrape me off the carpet maybe ninety five percent of the time. Yeah, I think I showed that against Mika the other day, even though we wasn't playing for money. It felt like we were playing for money because we're both very competitive guys, uh, especially Mika. I've never known anyone like him. He's probably like the most competitive player, uh, hungry player I've ever met in my life. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether you're playing for a dollar or nothing. He just wants to win so badly. So that <laughs> makes, so that so that adds like pressure in itself. Uh, so, yeah, just just really just... Getting yourself out there, putting myself in the heat. Uh, I'm planning on playing some more money games and stuff like that. Just get in the box, really, and just get used to the pressure again. Okay, so you think that that uh, these uh, challenge game matches, uh, one guy challenging another, and you put so much money in the middle, think that's going to be good for you? Yeah, I think money matches are different now to, let's say, when I first come to America 15 years ago, it was like, all a bit whisper you know what i mean like it'd be a bit all a bit quiet everyone's on the road everyone's trying to like nick a few dollars where now everything's like pre-arranged uh it's a lot more professional it's more like playing a big final now you, you just put the money up you're playing that one big match uh you, you might play a second set but most matches that there's that much money in the middle that take two or three days to finish so the, they don't even feel like money matches really even though they are I feel like you're like preparing for like a big UFC fight or something like that. So it's so it's great. I I think it's great for Paul. Uh, where when I first come to America, I'd be going to Florida, I'd be going to Detroit, I'd be going to Pennsylvania, and just going to these random pool rooms and just playing people I, I didn't know. So you 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 never really knew whether you was in a good game or a, a bad game until like you actually started. Sure. Well, you played one uh, of the so obviously that uh, that was a dangerous environment. Well, when I look back now, it was a dangerous environment. You meet some shady characters where, where now, I mean, you you uh, go to these money matches now. I mean, you sort of know everybody who's there. The the uh, stream guys are there, so you you know that you're pretty safe. You're 
secure and a lot of people at these matches now you've sort of know after crowd so so yeah it's different definitely a different environment now and like you say you meet a lot of shady characters like nate <laughs> <laughs> people who shock you hey that's uh i i brought people I needed you to win. First off, let's start there. I don't have to buy dinner in Vegas now because you won. So <laughs> thanks for that, buddy. Yeah, there's some argument there from um, uh, Molina about that. <laughs> ah, you don't have to worry about that. He's, he's He gave up already. <laughs> no, I think that's what The true question is where are we going to get dinner tonight for your birthday, Darren? That's my um, question. Me and Mika found a really good spot last night. Uh, this burger burger company it's called uh it's only like 15 dollars for a burger so i think i think we're taking you there to treat you for your late birthday present is that monks so it's nice and cheap cheap and cheerful cheap and cheerful there you go Sounds good. when do i need to be up when do i need to be up there <laughs> i don't know yeah you have to ask me because I, I think he's still sleeping <laughs> no he finally <laughs> made a post so he finally made a post on facebook so he's up and uh, out he's done well well, yeah, I think I, I think I'll just go down, go and maybe try and get something to eat. It's not easy to get food in this hotel, that's for sure. It's not. No, it's uh, the place isn't, There's not a lot of places open. No, but I think there's one place open until seven. So I'll go down, get something to eat, and then maybe look at the pool room, see what time we can practice, and then obviously we'll go for dinner tonight. I guess. Yeah. Uh, what time is the players' meeting? Is it uh, seven or eight? What? Eight you p.m. Know? They said. Eight p.m. All right. Well, oh, you're at Hold Jump right plenty. now, then. Yeah, I don't really bother with players' meetings anymore. I sort of get myself in trouble. <laughs> I can't keep my mouth closed. Well, then I guess I don't have to worry about going then either. If Darren's too, many too much time for it, then you know, <laughs> me, me living in Darren's uh, me living in Darren's uh, shadow means that I don't have to go either, right? Yeah, I think pool's the only <laughs> spot in the world where we have to have a players' meeting at every tournament. Yeah. Well. Yeah, there is. I know. Uh, at at the, the three question tournaments I go to now, that is you must attend pretty uh, much the players meeting. Yeah, I think you got the same things are every, said every meeting. Every time we play, now we're playing different rules or a, a different game. So uh, <laughs> hopefully one day we get one set of rules, one game, and then we don't have to keep going to these players meeting and uh, wondering what the rules are. You know what I mean? It's all a, a little right. bit silly, really. Yeah, are there going to be jump cues? Do you know at this tournament? Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm not too sure. But you can, no. I think. Okay. I think. Yes, they are. I won't play in any. I won't play in any tournament that I can't jump. Use a jump cue. Because <laughs> with how with how good I play position, I'm using that jump cue like 15 to 20 percent of the time. <laughs> you can't take away one out of every five of my shots. You just can't do it. It's rude. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can use jump cues. <laughs> Plus, it's a predator event, and obviously, they want to promote the uh, BK air. air rush, oh, sure. Sure, that which makes is, sense. Which is a, I mean, that thing's pretty sick. I haven't played with it much, but I, I hit a few jump shots against Mika, <laughs> yeah, which I managed to make, so <laughs> he wasn't nice. too happy. <laughs> Speaking of which, did I, Nate, I'm did still... Nate show off for you at all? His, his jumping prowess? No, I'll probably say I won't even be in the top 20 jumpers in the world, but uh, this BK Rush uh, probably like making me look a little bit better than what I am. Oh. I mean, it, it is well, pretty I mean, sick, to be fair. <laughs> I'll say this. This shot right here, I would have jumped this one all day. Even if you, uh, no, you're not going to jump at this. I think he just can't be bothered getting jumped. Oh, my God, he made it. Oh, my God. Jim Telford's voice is funny there. But, uh, but we agreed before the match that no jump shots playing eight ball. Oh, did oh, you? Oh, you okay. did. 
Yeah, wow. I'm not. Uh, I don't agree with jump. Uh, being able to play jump shots, playing eight ball or straight pull or one pocket. Okay, sure. Because for me, those games are precision games where rotation. I, I sort of get it because it's more exciting. Just, just, uh, just do whatever you want. But eight ball, I've never agreed with uh, using. Uh, yeah, oh, I like that idea. Because I think if you snooker yourself at eight ball on your last ball, then you should be punished for it. You should be. Yes. Well, you should. I wasn't. Why that, you? I called the eight <laughs> ball. That was perfect. <laughs> no, that's funny. But Mika says that my uh, the predator jump cues should be outlawed. Oh. Well, but to be fair, he, he, from a, uh, from a he player, didn't get over the ball with his mess cue. <laughs> You you find me a mez player and I'll show you somebody who doesn't use a mez jump cue. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think he used the jumps better than that. I, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. So, well, uh, what I guess at the end of the day, uh, what are your takeaways from the match? Anything? Yeah, it's sort of just that it was a lot more competitive than what I sort of went into thinking about the match, but. I should have known better, really, playing against Mika. I mean, he's just brutal competitor. I mean, but I like that. That's what makes him the player is. That's why he's had all that success. Uh, I think even when he's, like, 60 years old, he'll still be trying, like, 150%. Oh, yeah. And he'll still get very upset when he loses. So, yeah. I sort of admire that about him. Uh, it really, like, uh, just shows you how much desire he's got for the game, really. And uh, I think it helped me. So, yeah, I enjoyed the match. Well, what's his age? How, how old is Mika? Well, Mika is 49. 49? So 49. he's got you back. He'll be 50, here. I think, at the end of this year. So, But he, he looks a lot better than me for his age. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know what? I'll tell you what. There was a Seiko Varani that, you know, Rob, the guy we named the tournament yeah. after. Uh, yeah. When he was, like, in his 70s, he was he was a super competitive guy, Darren. And he, when he was in his 70s, we have a tournament named after him. He's kind of a legend in our state. Yeah. He played in a tournament I was in. I was watching him play a match. And uh, he, you know, here he is. He's got no chance of winning a tournament anymore. I mean, none. He's he's just he might win a match, you know, but he's just he's he's in his seventies, whatever. He's not playing his best, but he's so competitive. He broke, and I think he broke dry, and the cue ball was coming up to the head rail, and uh, and he says, "Freeze on that rail!" Like like he was just like like just willing the thing to leave his opponent tough, and just the way he did it, it was just so funny. Like he was genuinely like I don't know. So maybe that'll be Mika. He'll be the guy shouting at yeah, the Yeah, I think yeah. someone like Mika and Ralph Suke, they'll be playing pool when they're 70 years old. They, they, they just love the game. There's guys what really love the game and love to compete, and there's guys what, what uh, just love winning, you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, yes. And I think once you stop winning, obviously some guys just disappear. Let, 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 I don't know, like say some of the old school players like Nick Van and Jim Rempe, all those guys, they, they just loved winning, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm not saying they don't love the game, but they sort of realised that their their time was up, like a Mike Siegel, uh, where there's other guys that just keep playing just because they love it, even like Efren Reyes, you know what I mean? It's amazing that he can still play uh, at all, really, with all the health problems he's got, arthritis and all that stuff, and he still plays decent for 67 years old, you know what I mean? Sure. And sure. He, he can he cannot even like lift his arm up at, and, anymore because of his arthritis. But, yeah, so, I mean, it's just... Uh, but Paul, at least with Paul, if you're healthy, like Mika's a very healthy guy, uh, you can play for a long time, as long as you've got the desire to do it. Here we've got some folks in the comments here that are already uh, saying they're going to buy you guys drinks. 
when they see oh, you. Oh, yeah. That'd be <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, little Chris says, uh, what did I get? Uh, what did you buy with the money I, I won off Nate on that bar drill? Let's see if you can, let's see if you can be honest yeah. for once in your life, Darren. Come on, go on. <laughs> I didn't buy sushi. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like sushi. <laughs> that was good food, though. I'll tell you what that uh, that red was. That was some yummy food. If you like sushi, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like raw fish? It's fine. <laughs> it's not for me, really. Yeah. So. uh so I guess, uh, Darren, you want to you want to talk with us a little bit about the Fedor and Alex match? Did you hear anything that happened there? Uh, just uh, obviously, Alex wasn't happy with the break. I guess uh, big disagreements there. I think I don't hundred percent know the story, but I think uh, Ray Anson sort of made a post. I sort of read that. I don't think Fedor's made a big fuss about it. Uh, obviously, yeah, the pro rated it. I mean, it's amazing it. that you can be halfway through the match and you're you're changing the goalposts. I don't agree with that, but. Uh, so I'm amazed that uh, Fedor uh, agreed to that, but I think obviously, uh, obviously, I mean, Fedor's got stake horses, so it won't have only been his decision. So uh, obviously, there's two sides to the story. So obviously, they've made the decision for a reason, and uh, obviously, the restart of the match. Uh, I think uh, Alex bought out for six thousand dollars. Six thousand, yeah. Uh, probably thinking he's probably an even bigger favorite with the magic rack, so I, I guess that was a big influence on uh, let, letting him buy out. And obviously, uh, it turned out to be a great match at the sounds of it. I mean, except for like the odd break or the odd miss here, it was probably a pretty 50 50 match, 50 to 45. So you're talking like one or two rolls between the winner sure. and the loser, sure, sure. I yeah, know at one point in time it was, it was 37. What's your feelings on the uh, the com compliancy break rules for nine ball? Uh, you know, having having either pocket balls, so many balls have to go up beyond the head string, and that. How do you feel about that? Uh, it's terrible. Uh, it's I mean, terrible. I've made a post about it. It cost me. Uh, I was up six four against Joshua Filler. I had yeah. a, a legal break because of the three point rule. Made a ball. I made two balls actually against Joshua Filler, and still and 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 still had to walk away from the table. And I've got right. people behind me in the crowd saying, "Why, why are you not continue shooting?" So I'm trying to explain to the people in the crowd, and they're like going crazy, saying it's the most stupidest rule ever. Right. So that was a big rack because I would have been up seven four against Joshua. Sure. Uh, but anyway, and then against Corey, I'm up eight seven. I broke the balls really hard. But I probably like slightly slug wrapped myself, but I still broke the balls hard. Made. I made a ball, and I've got a shot on the two ball, but I didn't get the three-point rule. Wow. So it, it's cost me the match. It, it, well, it's cost me two matches, really. Sure. Uh, for like something what I feel like it wasn't my fault. So uh, where it, if I was soft-breaking, I sort of understand it. But Right. Uh, I mean, how can you sell something on TV like to like the your, your average viewer at home who was watching pool and he don't quite understand the rules. And right. you make a ball on the break, and you go and sit down in your chair. I mean, the, the guy always <laughs> going to think, what the hell is this shit? Yeah, what is this shit? I mean, it, it's just nonsense, really. I mean, uh, yeah. so that they need to fix that. I think, I know for sure, like, you'll never see that rule again at the Derby City Classic. It, it's sort of like a you Euro tour. Okay, okay. Uh, and I know they've been using it for a long time. I don't agree with it, never agreed with it. And they need to change it, really, because it, it's not okay. Good. And and there was one instance where uh, there was a player that uh, 
did commit that noncompliance and he went and sat down and the incoming player came in and uh, it might have been Fedor came in and he was going to push out. Well, and, that just shows and the you the referee, player, really. The referee yeah. stopped him and said, uh, I don't think you can do that. And well, so he now could you have, have just the, got the ref interfering. Yeah, I mean, Fedor could have just like tapped the cue ball and said to his opponent, just just put the cue, the cue ball where it landed after the break. So he's allowed to do that. Okay. So he, he can yeah, do him like ball, the damn, but, uh, but he can just tell the guy to just put the cue ball where it landed after the break. I, I think that's uh, a great gesture. Uh, these are many players that would do that, that's for sure. <laughs> Maybe okay. 10% of the players would probably do that. Because at the end of the day, people are trying to make a living and uh, they probably have the same thing happen to them where their opponent didn't give them that gesture. So you're thinking, well, why should I do it? So... Uh, obviously, it's a small minority of sure. people what would even even think about doing that. But the biggest the biggest thing for me is that we should be playing in uh, we sh we should be breaking inside the box uh, with the one ball on the spot or the nine ball on the spot, and we all should get the same rack and just break the balls, uh, and then we all know where we stand playing playing nine ball. It, it right. should be one or the other, the nine on the spot or the one on the spot, but we all should be breaking inside the box because then it's a bit less random. It's a bit more random regards where the balls are going to land and where the cue ball is going to land after the break. And you'll see a mixture of breaks and you'll see some guys hitting them full and you'll see some guys cut breaking. But I think that creates a bit more interest. Yeah, and you'll, and you'll see right. some guys going below the side and some guys coming above the side. Okay, uh, on, this, uh, on this match, I don't know. So I, I don't really feel that it came down to a couple roles there. And I was going to talk about the Fedor. So... I think the whole idea, right, was Alex is supposed to, Alex's plan is that he's supposed to have the moving edge. He's supposed to have the gambling edge. Yeah. And he's, you know, and so what his plan is to do was get with the triangle rack to slow down Fedor's all out offense and try to make there be more balls on the table and more maneuvering games. And his plan was to win 70% of the moving battles and then run out like water and win all those games and then, yeah. and then use that to put heat on Fedor and using the heat that he puts on Fedor and the triangle rack to slow him down and keep him from really catching his high speed. He was going to keep it close and put heat on him and then expose weaknesses in Fedor's experience that result in mistakes. And then Alex was going to take it away with his heart and experience. That was his game plan. My opinion, no chance because the, the, the fact was that Alex wasn't winning 70% of the moving games because he's he was only winning half because I think that the younger players move better than the younger players from 20 years ago. The other thing is, is that Alex wasn't running out every time he won the moving games and he was still making some mistakes. So even if he got, even first, he couldn't get the best of the moving game. Even if he did, he wasn't converting as well as Fedor. And so in the end, and then finally, the triangle rack didn't slow Fedor down. He figured out the break and started running a bunch of racks anyway. And finally, he wasn't able to put any gambling pressure on Alex and if he on Fedor. And if he did, Fedor was so technically skilled that he just couldn't dog it. Even if he felt pressure, he just he's too good at the game to really break down in, in some ways. So it's like all of that stuff didn't work. Fedor was beating his brains out. And then even when they started over with a template, which, yeah, I expected to go even more Federer's way, uh, Alex played as well as I've seen Alex play in seven years. And he was hungry and he was determined. And Fedor played, you know, I just felt like Fedor was bringing his average or below average game and Alex was bringing his peak game. And Alex could keep up with him for a while. But it just felt like 
Alex was running at 9,000 RPMs and Federer was running at 4,000 RPMs. And mm -hmm. if they ran it again, like if they played that set 10 times, Alex might not win a single set. And that's as close as it's going to come. And he had to like kill himself to do it. And I just, I don't feel like it was a close match that came down to a couple rolls. It felt like just totally inevitable that Federer is a completely superior player and all the stuff about gambling experience and heart and tactician. And I'm going to outmove you and slow you down. Like, None of that's going to work against Federer. He's just a stronger player. And maybe, maybe, maybe with with tire pockets and a triangle rack when Alex was at his prime, different story. But today, Alex today against Federer today, I just don't see it. Um, yeah, I didn't see the match, so I can't really comment. Uh, what were the pockets like? Were the, were the pockets playing tight? No, they were playing normal. They were four and three eighths. And the table yeah, I was a bit surprised that Alex played him at that venue on a brand new table because when they played in Vegas, uh, the they two sets they played in Vegas, cloth. it was a very, very tight table. Yeah. So four yeah. And pocket, I think it's four and an eighth with, I think it's yeah, four and an eighth. Yeah, but it, but it played really tight. It was like this is one cloth, the warning yeah. cloth. I watched maybe 50% of those games and Alex completely outmoved him. He just, sure. he, 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 he just frustrated him and froze him out. Uh, so he was able to play, let's say, his, his game, let's say. where Yeah, but this is the same thing that, like, just I, I was joking around a year or two ago about how Justin Bergman does the same thing or or, or different players where it's like they're going to play, but they're going to mm. play with, you know, uh, they're going to play on, on four-inch pockets with worn cloth and they're going to do, they're going to play with, you know, it's like they come up with these weird games. Like, like as far as I'm concerned, this is just my opinion here. Of course, gamblers, they could match, match up whatever game they want to play. But in yeah. the end, we play tournaments on diamonds and racins with four and a quarter to four and a half and fairly new cloth with template racks. That's our tournament game. Yeah. And that's the game that everybody plays. Now, yeah. if you're gonna sit there and if you're gonna sit there and say, I'll play you with four inch holes on worn cloth with a triangle and you have to break off the side rail and 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 whatever, it's like you're basically just saying you can't you're just acknowledging you can't beat them at a real at the real game that we are playing these days. Yeah, Which probably, is fine. Yeah. You can still play it, but you might as well play one pocket then. Well it's because obviously the break uh, obviously Alex doesn't break very good and Fido's yeah. a great breaker. So it, obviously they're trying to equalize equalize the game, let's say. Uh where uh I think the 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 sets they played in Vegas was a race to twenty five, race to twenty one. I think that's more suited to the Alex Pagger line or let's say myself. Where you can keep the heat on yeah. uh, from yeah. like the start, but when they go to race to fifty, obviously it's going to favour like the uh, the firepower players. You know what I mean? Like a Shane Van Bonen, Jason Shaw, Dennis Arcolo, and just the younger players. Then you're just trying to stick to the same game plan for like two days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no Nate, Nate's right. He mentioned the age gap, and I'll tell you, not that Alex is over hell by any stretch. But but the thing is, is is that for Alex's style, it takes Alex like I was talking about RPMs, it takes Alex an awful lot of energy to perform at the, his high gear. And and he doesn't have the same stamina that he might have had 20 years ago. Whereas you look at Fedor, and I just feel like Fedor's built his game to where first of all, he's younger, he's going to have more energy, but I just don't think it takes Fedor as much energy to run through racks of balls as it takes Alex. Um it just he's just Everything's a, it's almost like Alex is playing on a nine foot and Fedor's running out. It looks like he's on a bar table and it's like all day long. It just, it just is too much, man. But also, you've got to remember is that when Alex played him in Vegas, I don't think Fedor was in good form. Mm. And Alex it's was playing really like well. Where obviously Fedor coming into this match, his confidence was through the roof. Sure. So after the derby. And then Alex didn't have a great, uh, what you call it, Derby City Classic. 
Right. So there's there's a lot of things what come into play also. I mean, mm -hmm. when your confidence is as at its highest it can be, then you're a very difficult guy to beat. You know what I mean? Whoever you are, really. Uh, so that comes into play also. Uh, and that's what that was my biggest worry for Alex was that he's probably playing him at the wrong time. <laughs> oh, That's probably like a never good time to play him, but obviously playing him on top of his game. <laughs> yeah, he, like should have say, picked, he should have picked you, a better you, time. I feel like, like Fedor did play his best, but he's still got that supreme confidence when he needs it. You know what I mean? Yeah, he yeah. picked the wrong time. He should have played him in like 2011. <laughs> <laughs> well, he beat him last year for like, what, 50,000? So, yeah, fair uh, enough. He proved he can yeah. still do it. Uh, but obviously, Fedor was favourite on paper. Uh, obviously, the younger guy is confident. Uh, but it'd be nice to see Fedor play someone like Shane, uh, someone like that. Really, what do you really think about him. What, what do you think about Fedor versus Filler? Nine ball, ten ball. Well, they can't play ten ball because uh, Filler doesn't break good enough ten ball. Okay, so uh, nine ball. Nine ball, I'd favour Joshua. Obviously, I'd favour Fedor at ten ball. Uh, but I think. Uh, Fedor and Shane, I'd be. Uh, I, st I still favour Shane. Sorry, uh, even though I'm European, uh, I'd still favour Dennis against uh, Fedor, uh, Temble. Uh, but anyone else, ooh. I think he can play anybody. Uh, Temble. I ooh, you well, you, I mean, I'd push back on you hard on the Dennis because Dennis breaks bad Temble too. Josh well, breaks lose, significantly better Tim. <laughs> well, I don't generally think he speaking, that he just beat Shane twice on the big table in a race to one twenty. <laughs> yeah, but those that was and nine beat ball. That was nine ball. Yeah, but that was nine ball with kind of goofier rules. No, he beat Shane ten ball. No, he didn't. No, nope. oh, whatever that it is. Still got to break the ball. Still got to play, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, Dennis he can break. Playing nine ball. The problem with Dennis is that he might hit three good breaks and one bad break. Three good breaks yeah. and one bad break. Where someone like Shane, he might hit one bad break in nine. Uh, but sure. Uh, I would never bet against Dennis Arcolo. And I find it very hard to bet against Shane Van Bowen in playing ten ball. I don't. I don't care who they play. But sure. If, if but if everyone plays nine ball in a race to one fifty, then my money's on Joshua Filler. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's your Darren? What's your uh, overall feeling and take on uh, what Jason's accomplishment was recently with the That's high amazing, runner. isn't it? I couldn't believe that the first... Because I've never really looked at Jason as a straight pool player. Obviously, he's a great shooter of the ball. But he didn't play great patterns. Uh, but So, for the first three days, it was sort of a little bit all over the place with his patterns and his break shot and everything else. Uh, but the last two or three days, his straight pool game got better and better and better. He figured the break shots out. He started figuring the patterns out better. And his game just went 50% better over the last two or three days. And uh, it was a, an amazing achievement. Uh, okay. And to be fair, I once he got to 700, I thought he might run a 1,000 here. Because uh, he just looked like he just didn't care. I mean, he just played like as if he was just like in his local uh, pool room or his own pool, pool room. So, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing achievement. Uh, and, yeah, I think... Do you think the guys are going to start trying to break that? A lot you know, of well, guys. I think obviously, I think Jason's status is just gone up another 25, 50% regards his, his fame in the game. Even though he's pretty famous in the game anyway, he's starting to get more exposure away from the industry, which is good. And it, and it, and, it, and it's good for pull. So, uh, but I yeah. think it will be beat eventually if if people continue to put these prizes up. 
Sure. And I think there's a there's there's definitely a few guys out there what's capable of beating it under the same conditions and the same and let's say the same size pockets and sure, sure. You know, all that stuff. But obviously it's but there's no guarantees it it yeah. it, it, it might never get beat. But so overall uh, it's good for pool. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean it's amazing really. It gets people talking about pool and uh uh obviously it's good exposure and obviously it's uh Jason's more famous now for that straight pool than what he will be winning at any world championship or mvps in Moscone cup he's got a few yeah i mean people are people will be thinking about jason now as the mr 7114 whatever it is it's like <laughs> is the world record holder at straight pool because i mean so, the the social media just went nuts in it yeah so i gotta tell you so so they he was given ten thousand dollars by who who gave him the ten thousand well i think he received fifty thousand straight away okay uh off the guys what uh, put up the uh, the what's called the uh, legends of billiards. They yeah. raise money through sponsors and everything else, and I think Bobby put quite a bit of money of, it, of his own also. So I think he got fifty thousand cash straight away. Uh, I, think then, that, well, was... I think that included the ten thousand from OBQs. Okay, so uh, OBQs. So so the the reason I say it because uh, maybe the funniest thing I've heard this year is your your buddy Jim there, uh, Mister Telfer. When somebody asked to John Schmick at ten thousand when he ran his six hundred twenty six. And Jim replied, "He did, but you've got to pay to see the check." Oh, <laughs> that was—I'm still laughing. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean the uh, the good thing with Jason, he no knew there was, there was a big bounty at the end of it if he uh, if he bought, if he broke the record. Plus, it was live. There's nothing better than seeing something live. Uh, and every, I mean, I was getting text messages. I think it was 7 a.m. in the morning in the UK. And there's people like ringing my phone saying that Jason's on 600 balls. So I, I actually woke up like to watch the last hour or whatever it was. Uh, so it, it was amazing. And people were talking about it, and then everyone's sharing it. And the good thing is going to make at least another hundred thousand on top of that through all the royalties and everything else. So it's great. It's good for him. It's good for the game. Uh, and obviously, it will give more people more motivation to try and beat it also under the same circumstances, knowing that there's a big prize at the end of it. Where in the past, no one's even really tried to break the record because there was no reason to. Right. There was no like goal for it. There was no prize. So uh, and that's why I was a little bit surprised with John, really, that he didn't get the video out there, didn't go the right way about it and cash in on his achievement. So I feel a bit a bit sorry for him in that way because he should have really cashed in on that and uh, i'm well, guessing he he didn't he didn't really get out of it what he should have done no well, let me ask you this thing I agree with that. so the reason so like you said the reason that the nobody was really trying it was probably because there was nothing for it right i mean you, yeah, you weren't winning anything for it um it's not it's not unknown that bobby chamberlain and john schmidt do not like each other yeah they, yeah. they don't they hate each other um and i think a lot of it is i i I don't know exactly what the original reason for it was, but I know that Bobby was not happy that uh, he was withholding the video. Uh, do you think that if John would have went about doing it the right way, that this that Jason would have even had the opportunity to break this? Or do you think that him holding it back was the catalyst for the, the money being put up for it? Well, that's what I'm saying. I, you don't want to like you don't want to try and make second guesses, but I just don't understand why we haven't seen this video. I mean, it just amazes me. What is it? Two years ago? Have you personally two, seen yeah. it? Have you seen it yet? It's probably like two or three years ago now, and I still haven't seen the video. It's been a, no, it's been at least three years because it was it was well before COVID. Well so before. I mean, COVID. even if it's a pay per view video and you're going to pay fifty dollars to watch it, I'd probably buy it just to just because I'd want to so see. You have not seen it. I just want to see the last 
50 balls, really, just to see how it all went down, you know what I mean? But So it's a bit disappointing, really, that like you broke a record, it's out there, it's on tape, and nobody sees it. So you haven't seen it? No. I know that there's yeah. people, as, well, I've seen it, uh, Nick Varner was one of them, and uh, I don't know, I think, I, I, I heard a few rumours that there's a few question marks over the video, so, uh, but I'm just speculating on rumours, so... I don't know about you guys. Have any? Have uh, Demetrius, Robert? Have you seen it? I have. I've, I've seen to, the last. I, I've seen Smith's, like the last hundred and fifty balls. No. Right. Okay. No. Yeah, I how did you go about seeing it, Demetrius? Live. I, I saw it. I don't remember if I saw it live or I think the. I think what happened is Dion from the academy. The what do they call? I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name of the place. Uh, City. Uh, City like Legends of Billions or something. Okay, they changed it. Okay. But anyway, he took a video yeah, of the stream on his phone and streamed it to Facebook. And I saw that. Uh, I didn't see it live. I saw it like two hours later. But I so I saw like the last 150 balls. And it was it was definitely fun and to watch. And I, and I learned a few things from watching Jason. Uh, I think I learned a little bit about speed of break shots. Oh, we're I, I really the John video. Have you seen oh, no, Schmidt I'm sorry. Video? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. I didn't. I thought we were talking about Jason. Um, no, no, no. Okay. No, I'm about John Smith video okay no i never i've never seen it no yeah so i mean it's one of those isn't it i mean has he really got 626 so i mean whatever it was so one one thing that i noticed about uh jason's breaking that he didn't do it every single time he broke the balls but he had pretty much the same angle almost every break shot that he broke yeah i mean jason figured it out robert and the thing with that table because the cloth was brand new and the pockets are five inch pockets and they had all the balls tapped all the balls were tapped, so they're all touching. I mean, right. that made a huge difference. Let 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 let's be honest. So that allows you to go to break the balls from like a, a bigger angle because you're playing in big pockets, but also you you're able to get the white ball to go through the stack. Through the where stack. on like balls right. what are not so touching so much, they'll probably bounce off the balls a lot more, and you probably see a few more scratches with that type of rack. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, still, it's an, it's an incredible achievement. I mean, the last two or three days when I did watch him play, his patterns got better and better and better, and oh, he yeah. figured that break shot out. I mean, he virtually had the, the same break shot every rack. It was unbelievable. Right. Well, right. The, one, the one thing I noticed is I actually, Rob, I saw some different angles on the breaks, but yeah. when, he got, when he was even with the break ball, he was using more speed than I normally use to yeah. really rip the rack open. However, when he was back cutting the break ball, and he had enough angle, Right. he used less speed on the break shot than I normally use. Yeah, so okay. I was really like, I guess I'm kind of in a one-track mind where it's like every break shot I hit, it's like try to open up the rack. I'm not as sensitive to the speed. Right. And I really saw the the angle of the cut as that cut, you know, he, he so if I'm always breaking here, when he got full, he was really breaking here. And when he was thinner, he was really breaking here. And he was really tuned in on the right speed to use. And it was just amazing how his speed selection opened up the rack really well. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I mean, I definitely, I mean, I, I class myself as a straight pull player, but after watching that, I thought, if I ever go for an eye run, I completely change how, how I used to break. I wouldn't be breaking and bringing the cue ball back with draw, let's say, because you're bringing scratches into play. I wouldn't be punching off the rack because you're bringing the side pockets into play. So it, it definitely opened my eyes up regards playing straight pull if you're trying to break, like, let's say, 500 well, balls. And you know Moscone, yeah. Moscone said that his favorite ball, his favorite break ball, was a thin back cut where he was 
cutting yeah. the break ball into the corner thin and, and going with follow through the rack. And maybe that's why. Maybe it takes out the scratches or yeah. the chance of getting trapped on the rack or going all the way up table and being trapped on the head rail or like the scratch mm-hmm. that Jason had at the end where you go up to the corner. So maybe there's something, you know, the problem with that, Darren, is that you have to be able to make those balls. And so for a lot of people, yeah. you know, you just don't feel comfortable betting your run on these thin back cuts rack after rack, you know. Especially yeah. on a diamond table. That's Especially right. a diamond table well, where no disrespect on that table, you you can leave yourself those shots and you're sort of a big massive favourite to make them. And once you get dialed in like Jason did, then to him it was like an anger. You know what I mean? He, he just finds the spot, he, he finds the angle of the of the shot, and you just keep running. But if you're playing like a one-on-one situation, race to 150, believing that same break shot, I'd be quite happy if I'm the opponent if he's believing that same break shot. So I think there's a different way to play if you're going for a high run. And there's a different way to play if you're playing one on one. Because like Torsten would, like Torsten, for example, he 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 always breaks the balls very hard, and he always draws the cue ball back. Uh, so, and John Smith plays a completely different way. So, so yeah, there's definitely lessons to be learned on if you're looking to get a really high run, uh, like well, four or five balls. Me, I think I, there's a different I, way to play I the game. Willie, one time in an exhibition match to 150. Mm. And and I watched his breaking very, very closely. I was right next to the table watching, sitting in the challenger's chair. Yeah. And the thing that amazed me was that his angle that he would look for would be about 20 degrees. That was his preferred angle for the break around there. And to get the cue ball to do what he did with it, almost every break shot to me, I don't know how he did it to this day. Yeah. But the break ball would hit the rack the balls would kind of spread in every direction and then it would go into the rack about four or five inches and stop. Yeah. yeah. And now he'd have balls to shoot in all six pockets if he yeah, would. Yeah. And I just, I was, my head was spinning. Like, how does he get the cue ball to do that? Every time I would try, the ball would fly off of the rack and bounce back to the side yeah. rail or, or go through the rack with too much pie on it and scratch in one of the corners or, you know, something like that. But his was a combination of that stun, spin, follow, die. Yeah, I understand, yeah. Yeah. And the one thing thing I'll say about that is I I learned this. So what happens is with uh, follow shots, you know, to, to get the cue ball fully rolling, if you're shooting, normally when you shoot a follow shot, you have some distance between the cue ball and the object ball you're shooting at, or you're shooting at a softer speed to where if you don't cue very high and you start the cue ball off with some partial slide, like a stun run through type hit, it'll develop itself into full roll as it goes across the table bed. You know, so normally when you're shooting soft speeds or with distance, you can get away with a little bit of a non-pure hit when you're following and it'll develop into topspin. However, when you're shooting a straight pull brace shot, you're close to the object ball and you're shooting with speed. So if you don't cue high enough, your cue ball will hit the rack like a kind of a stun follow and it'll just kind of stick on the rack. But if you can cue high, you really have to lift your tip and make sure that your cue ball is fully rolling right off the tip. And if you lift your tip up high, that's how you get that action rod to burrow through the rack. And that's a big mistake I see a lot of people make on straight pull break shots. But uh, Oh, okay. And so I'm sorry, guys. I've got to cut out, but I'll tell you what. I just want to say um, I have some obligations, but I'm going to bow up. But uh, it was good to talk to you two again. And then, Darren, it's a real pleasure to meet you. Thanks for joining our stream. And uh, you're welcome. In a tournament, I want to shake your hand. So, yeah, no uh, problem, man. I'll see you around. 
Yeah, $25 and you can shake his hand. Take That's care, it. Jimmy. Peace. All right, Josh Smith. Oh, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> that hurt right here. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not knocking John Smith at all. I mean, it, it, the video is probably <laughs> legit. I'm just saying there was a couple of rumors out there. I'm, I'm not saying whatever. I'm just... I'm, I'm just I'm speculating sure. like a few I, I'm guessing are, that a lot of the people I'm guessing that the, the rumors I've, are just hate. I have no I mean, doubt at the end that of the day the they're probably legit, hatred, but, you know what I mean and uh, he yeah. did run 626 it'd just be nice to see it <laughs> right that's exactly like it. it right that's exactly it yeah like I, yeah. I'm, sh I'm sure the people who said it's like I'm the, all the people who are saying it's fake I'm sure that's just I mean it's just yeah, stupidity it's I mean the people will, who are probably mad yeah it's probably will. people who are mad that 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 they haven't been able to see it but I know a good way to make it so you don't have to worry about it <laughs> let people see it right i mean yeah, at the end of the day like the people that are making can the still make the some money from that you know what i mean i don't think it's completely dead in the waters i think there's still some money to make from it but well yeah i think so it's a shame <laughs> really that it's been held back all this time and i'll tell you what if, if you would have made like an on records, records are there to be broken and eventually they get broke and jason's will get broke eventually oh yeah, yeah. but the all good I'm thing is milking it and getting as much money out of the cow as he can, so fair play to him. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll say this: if if you would have if you would have charged fifty bucks to watch it, whether it's to buy a DVD or whether it's just to to join like a, a pool action TV stream or something like that, just to watch it, I'd have paid it. Oh, I yeah, wouldn't I pay five dollars to watch it now. I, I would have pay paid. You know, like now. when he got to six hundred, I would have paid one hundred dollars just to see the run from six hundred balls. <laughs> right. Because there's nothing better than seeing something live. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, like I I really struggle to watch pool when it's like recorded, like pre-recorded. I mean, it's yeah, just me so hard to watch. But if I'm watching the matchroom tournaments and it's live on Sky Sports or whatever, it's just so easy to watch and it's so much more fun. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I think I I'm that's what I enjoyed the most about the VG events that Nate uh, did. Yeah, yeah. During COVID, was it was live. Yeah, I mean, it was something to watch. I mean, if it's not live, it's 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 so painful for me and, to watch pool. Uh, you could see live. I can watch. I mean, I could see the stress on the players' faces. Yeah, and yeah. their body action uh, without even an opponent present. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty stressful. Yeah, well, yeah and this, uh, I think it's the same for all sports. I mean, if it's live, it's just it's just uh, you're just waiting out. It's just anticipation, let's say whatever. But when something's pre-recorded. I mean, I watch loads of sports, but if I know the result and I've like recorded it, it's so hard for me to go back and watch it, even if it's like a great match. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but so I, I, I like to be on the edge of my seat when I'm watching sports. You know what I mean? Oh, just, sure. just you're just not sure what's going to happen. Yeah. Yep. I agree yeah. with that. Well, that's so, why the Moscone Cup is so great. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. It really is. I mean, you know, I love it. I, I just loved it this year. I just loved every second of it. Yeah, and even if like the result don't go your way, it's yeah, like, well, you know what? Even the like, fact Burrow didn't know. get to play, and Jeremy had to go jump in there just yeah, to yeah. watch Jeremy play again. Yeah, I mean it's amazing. It and even exciting. if the results don't go your way, and then you're like, you're really disappointed with your team, whatever, whether it's Europe or USA, you can guarantee that a week a week after the tournament, they're all thinking about rebooking their ticket again for the following year, <laughs> and even more people get on board. So it just keeps growing and growing. It does, uh, regardless yeah, it of the result. So I, I don't think it really. Obviously, it's better for matchroom and TV if if the matches are competitive. But even if a match is like 11-1, 11-2, people will still go to the Moscone Cup because it's just a great oh, yeah. show, and oh, it's yeah. great to be involved, and it's also a great social event. Yeah, yeah, 
And even even with the score the way it was going into that last uh, third day, I mean, come on, that it was oh, up for grabs. You guys missed the boat big time. I mean, you should never really? have been nine five down in a million years. You should have been eight seven either way at least. Yeah, yep. yeah. So it, it wasn't it, it wasn't as like I don't think there was like if you take Jason Shaw out of the Moscone Cup and you take Joshua Filler out on the last day. I thought it was a, a even match, an even match. Nice. Yep. So, well, uh, we can get closed down here, but we got a couple of announcements, I guess, to make in the beginning. Again, get over to wibhof.org. Vote for Rob Hovick for Hall of Fame. We need to get him inducted into the Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, there you so, go. You got a nice yep, pretty uh, uh, background there, Robert. Some <laughs> nice uh, blinds. Nice, a nice lamp. Yeah, well, see my glasses. Very colorful in in that room. Uh, my yeah, well, I got the blinds. Where are you from? My, Where about my you glasses. Live? I'm from Wisconsin, and oh, and Jesus. I did you know, and I did a little a, a little background, uh, just to give you an idea of the size of the state of Wisconsin that you're in now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's bigger than Holland, Belgium, and Denmark combined. Uh, okay. <laughs> just just the state. <laughs> It, it, it's probably colder as well. I mean, it's probably as cold, actually. It's cold in them countries. <laughs> right. Way colder. So, uh, I'll put the link out there in the or in the in the chat one more time. And anybody who goes on gets a $10 for the year subscription, gets a free Cue It Up t-shirt. All you got to do is just go vote for him and then reach out to me and let me know. Or the podcast page, no problem. Well, uh, Ryan, Darren, when I'm coming to Vegas, yes, I'll be in Vegas. I'll be in Vegas. Well, there you go. That's yes. pretty cool. Oh, yeah. You're around, so, uh, you're around Robert. Robert, it's your round foul. It's your round, round foul. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, Darren, we got, uh, we're going to be, I guess I'm going to go live in about probably two or three hours to give away that stuff uh, from this weekend. So why don't you tell people how they can win all that stuff? Lots of good stuff. Oh, wow. We, yeah, we've got amazing. I, I, I forgot how many prizes we've got. We've got like a, a load of prizes. I think we've got free cues, tips, chalk, shirt, sign balls, tips, uh, the lot. Uh, it's five dollars per number, and you can PayPal myself at dynamite does number eight at gmail, or you can go on Nate's Facebook page or his Cue It Up podcast, and all the details are there. I think you can uh, cash up, whatever, and uh, I think there's still time to enter, right? Yep, I'm going to do the drawing in about two hours, so you're running out of time. But yeah, so you need to be quick, guys. Did we get rid of all the $150 packages? We did, Ryan, but if you want one, I'll I'll match whatever it was if you want to get one of those. We have a couple of jerseys left over anyway, so uh, I can hook you up with one of those uh, this weekend if you want one. And it's my video. Uh, it's, it's, sorry, it's my birthday, so I should get some extra uh, numbers. <laughs> oh, you want some extra numbers? You, wanna, I want, you I want want people to give some extra money for numbers. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's his birthday, yeah. yeah. Well, all, all the money is going to Darren and Tamika, so it's uh, to thank them for coming over and giving us an awesome show. Uh, it wasn't a very good one on meal. Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much. For my birthday meal. <laughs> Belated. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Um, we'll close it out here. Uh, I have uh, put in all there, but Brian, Rob, we get to do a manscape dad. You want to do that? You ready? You excited? Where's my manscape? You ever heard of manscape Darren? Yeah. You got one. You got yourself one. Shave your head with it. Oh, yeah, I've got one of those. I need to buy one of those for Shane Van Boning. <clears throat> and uh, 
Yeah, he, he, he definitely, yeah, it's good, Pop. That's got a light on there as well, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, this is live. That's beautiful. When you're over 70, it's ear hair that's the problem. Definitely. <laughs> that's why I need one of those so I can get rid of my hair hair. In a beautiful here, light. Darren, Look at that. Darren, let me try to sell you on a manscape. You ready for this? I'll read, I'll read you a poem. You ready? Listen to that. <coughs> Roses are red. Violets are blue. Don't let a wild pube wreck you. <laughs> How's that? That's yeah, beautiful. That just sucked. <laughs> Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion. This Valentine's Day, it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who have trusted Manscaped, the leaders <laughs> in below-the-waist grooming, with our exclusive offer. <laughs> Oh, Go to manscaped.com and use the code QITUPPOD to get 20% off plus free shipping. Beautiful. What do you think about that, Darren? Well, you need to bring me one to Vegas. You know, this baby right here, if you have like a five or six day growth, which I tend to have. Yeah. And and it's there's nothing worse trying to shave a five day growth. Yeah, but yeah. if you do the Manscaped prior to the regular shave, it's yeah. Perfect. And according to Jim Telfair, it'd be perfect. <laughs> yes, Darren. According to according to Dar or according to Jim, it can share that it could shave the hair straight off a balloon. Uh, <laughs> 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 right, and guys, right, I'm so gonna shoot out of here. I've got uh <laughs> celebrating to do. Oh, oh yeah, I'll good for you. Later. Happy yep, forty six. See you later, Robert. See you later Natey. We'll yeah, I'll see you in a, see you in a couple hours, huh? All right, so we'll close this out with get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code QITUPPOD at manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use code QITUPPOD. Join Cupid and shoot your arrow with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. Oh, perfect! Thanks there for watching, go. everybody. All right, take care, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.